Do y'all like my mismatched socks today? Yeah. At least they're in the same family color today. <laughs> when I was in high school, because, like, this was, oh, uh, gosh, 2008 through, through 2012. Like, I remember my senior year. Uh -huh. um, or was it the last two years? Like, they had... You had to like have matching socks. They had a really strict dress code. They're like, we're gonna check your socks to make sure that they're matching. I would have been <laughs> expelled every day. Do they not have better things to do? Apparently not. And then now they have like a super relaxed dress code. And I'm like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. That's so weird. Changing times, I guess, because it's only been the last like I don't know, maybe five years or something, it seems like, that people have said dress codes are kind of bullshit. You know? Well, like, I remember, like, before then, I was, like, what? Up until third grade, it was, like, you know, it was just weird to, you know, make sure what you have is clean. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, when I was getting into fourth grade, they're, like, we're going to have a uniform dress code. Mm -hmm. Where it was, oh, yeah. Oh, weird. It was, yeah. It was just, like, it was super weird. We had uniforms when I was in school for, like, mm -hmm. The first few years of elementary, but then they got rid of it. They're like, just wear what Just don't be stupid. See, in, when and... That I, was a private Christian school, too, which was surprising. Wow. When I was in Alabama, we always wore uniforms, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. So from kindergarten through, I guess, fourth grade, mm -hmm. I had uniforms, and then I moved to Arkansas. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean you get to wear whatever you want? Like, <laughs> it was, what do you mean you can express yourself as an individual? Yeah, I was, it blew my mind. Yeah, that's so funny. My little 10-year-old mind was just like, pew. <laughs> you know, my 10-year-old mind was like, what? I have to wear, it was like you have to wear either blue, black, or khaki pants. Uh -huh. um, you had to have a, a solid color shirt. Mm -hmm. and, and, like, and then that was it. And then, like, it started getting more and more strict. So, like, at one point everyone had to start tucking in their shirts and oh. then like um we had we girls couldn't have um their collarbone showing what yeah how scandalous your we could have we have, could never collarbone exposed i just realized this is an audio format and no one could see my stink face yeah but it, it believe me Trust it was us. there it was like it was ridiculous i was like how the hell do like i'm it was dumb that's weird see i went to that private christian school and it started out where like i remember the girls could wear like skirts or skorts yeah oh the skirt with like yeah <laughs> with like our polos that had like our life christian oh. thing on it and then it was like okay yeah pants are fine too and then it was like we're just gonna get rid of the uniforms <laughs> there is one thing i miss and it's so when we had to wear uniforms, there was this thing called a jumper, which is yeah, not the UK I mean, jumper. It's like yeah, a skirt with, with like pieces. The, yeah. 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 I remember yeah. I had a jumper when we first had a, a dress code. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. It was, like, it was navy blue. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was like a I burgundy like, and gray plaid. Oh, oh that was great. that's a great. Yeah. That's a great jumper. See, now I would rock a jumper. Like as an yeah. adult, mm -hmm. I would rock a jumper. So would I. Yeah, but like, cute. That's why I was confused the first time I started like watching British television, and they kept saying jumper, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we went off on school for a while. <laughs> I can tell you about my crazy um, middle school experience going from like that school in Arkansas back to Alabama. 
Was that when your mom was teaching? Oh my gosh. Well, so my like family history time, my dad's grandmother had had a stroke. Mm. So my dad and I moved back for a while with the thought of, you know, everyone else would finish out the school year and yeah. come there. That didn't end up happening, but we were there for like half a school year. And the school there was very like, it wasn't a military school. It was like a public middle school, but it was run, run very regimented. Like, there was a certain path you walked in the hallway and you did not deviate from it. Meaning, if you had a class, let's say on the right side of the hallway toward the end, everyone had to go in a counterclockwise motion all the way around the hallway and there was like a line on the floor. And you had to follow that line. So my next class was on the same side of the hallway, just further like up the hall. And you so you have to go all the way around to your next class. Interesting. That's yeah. crazy. Now that I'm thinking about it, we had that too when I was in elementary school at that yeah. private school, but right. it wasn't, they got rid of that. Yeah. Were you a popular kid? No, I was a weirdo. I mean, I still am. But like, <laughs> but also like, from when I was in high school, I was like six different people. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was six people. That was six Sally's ago. I mean, it sounds six like Sally's It ago. sounds like I have multiple personalities. No, but I, but I you know, know what I mean? Know. Like you just have these like you evolve throughout your life. Yeah. And I think from like middle school through your mid 20s, I would say is when you're evolving the most. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's just the mark of a good human. Yeah, you like know? David Bowie, there was this one time he was he was Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. But have you had your Ziggy Stardust moment? I don't I hope not. Same. For me. Yeah. Because that means, like, I want to have my Ziggy Stardust, but I don't think I'm close to it. <laughs> I've also just been, like, listening to that album a lot. Yeah. Well, speaking of evolution, <gasps> yes. I'd like to talk about the evolution of one mythic figure, if that's cool with you guys. Yeah. yeah. So, welcome to Legendary Losses. My name is Ashley. I'm KB. I'm Sally. I'm sorry if I'm a little low energy today. <laughs> Same. Very tired, been Mm -hmm. sick. So I'm sorry if I sound like a hot pile of garbage running, rubbing together. (laughs) Oh dear. Um. So today I want to talk to you guys about Lilith. Yeah, I'm very excited. What's a Lilith? I will tell you in a moment. But I do have like a tagline that I want to see. If is it too much? Okay. So I have it. Lilith, a succubus demon or feminist icon. I like. I kind of like it. Do you like it? A part of me doesn't want to like yeah. it. But but I like it. It was the only kind of tagline I could come up with. Did I you need like, a tagline, Ashley? I felt like I needed a tagline. I probably don't. Well, but. I feel like that encompasses the debate about Lilith. I agree. As it stands right now. Yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. Well, the origins of Lilith are murky at best, I will say. Uh, I am going to try to take us down this path as narratively as possible. Mm -hmm. And I do want to say that I'm not going to get into religious debates about it. Okay. Because I don't think it's important for this. And I'm kind of saying that, too, because I think we're we're planning on doing other kind of mythic figures. Mm -hmm. Um, That could be biblical or from other religions. Yeah. That... Like, you know, later on down the road, and I don't 
wanted to be set up in the way of like, well, I think, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's you're giving it the academic treatment. And yes, that's what we would tell our students a lot of times when they're writing about things like this is you have to write about it as literature. Like I know these books and these beliefs yeah. are much deeper than that for a lot of people, but you don't want your professor like grading you on your religion. That's just a right. bad thing to do. So you have to right. treat it academically. Right. So, okay. So I'm treating these sources as literature, okay. which when I talk about biblical references later on and also references from the Talmud, it, I'm treating it as literature. Okay. So just kind of giving you guys a heads up on that. I can get us started on the story of Lilith, though, by saying that we do know the origins start through Abrahamic religions. Okay. Although it is more than likely, me, Ashley, wants to say 100% likely, but mm-hmm. as a scholar, I'm going to say more than likely. <laughs> it's more than likely that they were influenced by other ancient cultures in the Mesopotamia area, such as the Akkadians and the Sumerians. Okay. So quick. Quick sidebar. Yeah. Can we define Abrahamic religions really quick? Just for anyone who might not have heard it talked about that way before. Like me! Perfect, (laughs) yes. So Abrahamic religions are any religions that stem from, claim Abraham as their patriarch. Okay. So Islam, Judaism, Christianity. Is that it? I think it's just those Those three. three. Yeah. Um, there's probably some other weird sects out there that would be yeah, named, but, but I don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Those are the big three. Those are the big three. Mm-hmm. So these ancient Mesopotamian cultures also had a demon in their mythology called Lilith. Mm. These stories date to about the third millennia BCE, which is very old, you guys. Like, this is a very old story. Are you yeah. saying it's even older than the game of basketball? <laughs> <laughs> Because as we learned in our female tattoo artist, it was made in 1891. Is that the right date? I, I mean, I know it was the 1800s, the late 1800s. Yeah, right? but it was no, because it was it was in the same year as the Place Spring Awakening was written, which was in 1891. Oh, nice. Hmm. Sally gets the memory award this week. Yeah. Look at me go. It's also older than that fresco we talked about from the trash heap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rinkus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rinkus. That's such a fun word to say. Yeah. It makes me sound like I know what I'm talking about. I know, right? I was listening to our Sappho episode and talking about that, and I was like, oh, God, I sound so smart. <laughs> Which I was going to talk about the Oxyrhynchus again today, because I was also going to tie in Mary Magdalene to this. Mm. Um, but she deserves her own episode. Okay. It's a lot to get into. So yeah, we'll, she's we'll, a complex figure. She's a very complex figure. And so. I want to talk about, like, the gospel according to Mary Magdalene, yeah. which is... Interesting. Interesting. Does this mean we get to watch Jesus Christ Superstar? 100% The one with uh, Tim Minchin Minchin and Melanie C. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I will watch that every day of my life. I love that. I love it so much. It's so good. Sally, I've got a question. I don't know if I can answer that correctly. When are we doing Jesus Christ Superstar? I don't know. You got a space and money for royalties? Exactly. Then. Well... (laughs) We can open up sponsors on our podcast. Doesn't Andrew Lloyd Webber have enough money? Right? Probably. Could he give it to us for free for like one day? Ashley. Casting. All-star just cast. one day. You gotta Ashley. pay artists though, Ashley. I'll, I agree, but he should pay me too. <laughs> <laughs> He's got enough money. Support the arts, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Is he a sir now? Is he Sir Andrew Webber? I Lloyd think Webber? so. Probably. Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber, please support the arts. All-star cast, who do you want in this show? Oh. I know it's a packed question because I know you probably have lots of thoughts 
man. I think my brain just got stuck. Okay. Because I can't find anyone to play Judas. Judas is, for me, the main person that you have to have someone really, Mm -hmm. really amazing. Now, I'm not saying that I'm amazing, but I want to play Judas. Same. (laughs) I I would love it. I would love it. He's so complex. I know this is a podcast about female historical figures, and we're going to be talking about a different biblical lady. Uh But God, Judas is a complex figure. Yes. And I deeply adore him, which might get me some hate if anybody listens to this. But I I have a deep care for, like, misunderstood underdogs, I think. And I think Judas fits kind of into that, that description because... There's so many questions about him, I think. I, I do, too. And that's something that, because I'm so interested in religion, I feel like I have so many questions about so many things. Mm-hmm. And he's someone that I have a lot of questions about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could give him an episode treatment for my dead 19th century boyfriend. Oh. oh my yeah. dead first century, century boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, just to kind of, like tiptoe into that right like I think the main question about Judas is like if we're supposed to have free will but Mm -hmm. he had to carry out this prophecy yeah as far as the literature of it is concerned Mm -hmm. how do we rectify Judas yeah Mm -hmm. because you can say it was his choice to do it but also he had to do it yeah Yeah. in order to fulfill this destiny that like it had to be done someone had to do it and he was just and if it wasn't yeah. him, we'd be saying, oh, it's well, Peter. Oh, it's Simon. You know, mm-hmm. like someone close to him would have had to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's someone the got part the shaft that's... and apparently it was Judas. That's the interesting part for me because we say things like Christ had to do this. Like he had no choice. That mm-hmm. was his destiny. But, and to what degree is it Judas's destiny? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that that's what I wonder about. And I'm sure I would be called a heretic by many, many people for even thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But... I, you know. It's so interesting because I remember, so I said I wasn't going to bring my own religious views into this, but here we go. Here we are. (laughs) But saying that, my parents very much believed in having your own personal relationship to your spirituality and religion. Yeah. Yeah. And so they very much encouraged my brother and me to ask questions. And Mm -hmm. if we had questions, we were always able to go to them Mm -hmm. and talk to my parents. Um, which is something that I, like, it's one of the things that I love about my parents is that yeah. you you can bring anything to them and they're going to be like, you know, we still love you, well, whatever. But they're the best. Yeah. But, <laughs> sorry other parents out there, you suck. <laughs> but, uh, like, I think it, it also helped, too, that my brother was a little bit older, so he was mm-hmm. asking questions and I would listen and, okay. you know, I was able to respond. Like, I was welcome at that table. Yeah. Um, I also think of baby Ashley as like a very mature for her age kind of. I got that a being. lot as a kid. Yeah, you're very mature for your age. Yeah, you're Thanks. like yeah, I'm an archaeologist. Yeah, I'm an archaeologist. Go over yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think like just apart from asking my father what Laura Croft did <laughs> for a living. <laughs> You know, like, I would have conversations with him about biblical stories, and one of them was Judas. And I remember asking him at a very young age, like, well, but God says we have free will, but why did Judas have to do this? Yeah. And, like, having this, like, pretty intense conversation about free will with my dad at, like, six or seven. (laughs) But I was a weird kid, and I think Mm -hmm. I've just come to realize that in the past couple years. 
I think yeah. it's after like talking to more people that were like, no, I, I never <laughs> asked my parents anything like that. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I don't know. I'm still surprising my dad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cause I think especially over the past, maybe year or two, We've been having a lot more discussions, and he'll call me when he's driving or whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about whatever, but sometimes I'll be talking about something and say something, and he's like, I didn't even think about that. And so I think I, I'm still surprising my dad a little Yeah, sometimes. I think I still surprise my dad a little, too, but he he doesn't like to show that I've surprised mm-hmm. him, so he'll come back with, like, a, yeah, mm, well. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? Lilith. Lilith. Yeah. Another complex figure. Another very complex figure. Um, we can linguistically link her name to ancient Hebrew, ancient Arabic, and some of the words are similar to some, or there are some similarities to Sumerian words. Okay. But all of these different languages kind of use the same word to mean night. Mm. Um, in ancient Sumerian, it might translate closer to night demon or spirit or wind spirit mm-hmm. or female demon, something like that. Okay. Um, but many of these myths surrounding Lilith cast her as a bringer bringer of chaos, seduction, and death. Mm. She is mostly seen as a threat to unmarried men, pregnant women, and newborns. And I'll talk about this fear a little bit later on. Yeah. And I'll also be posting some archaeological finds that we have that, like, have her name on it. Oh. Correction, it's archaeological. Archaeological. <laughs> there we go. Archaeological objects. Yeah. Um, but the first mention of Lilith um, is found recorded not in the Bible or the Talmud, but is, in fact, from the epic poem of Gilgamesh, Enkidu, and the Netherworld. Oh, I remember this. Yes. If you've taken any kind of world literature course in college, you've most likely read some of the epic of Gilgamesh. But in case you haven't, here are the basics. It's a mythic tale of an ancient Sumerian king, Gilgamesh, who rules over Uruk. Mm-hmm. U-R-U-K? Uruk? Yeah. Or I've heard Uruk sometimes. Uruk, yeah. yeah. Um, who probably ruled in reality, somewhere between 2800 to 2500 BCE. Mm-hmm. Posthumously, Gilgamesh is deified by the citizens of ancient Mesopotamia, and then we get the epic poem written about him in Akkadian. What a time when you could go from king to god. Just like. Dude. Well, it's interesting that you say that because some of the myth behind Gilgamesh is already rooted in divinity. Mm. So yeah. I think that's probably where that's yeah. coming from. Yeah. Kind of like the calling upon the muses. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, it's very similar to stuff we see in Greek, too. Yeah. But it's also a very clear and perfect example of a hero's journey. And what you need to know about the story is this. At the beginning of the tale, Gilgamesh is a bad dude. Yeah. Like, hella bad dude. Like, are you like, a badass, or is he, like, doing bad no. things? No, no, bad no, no. Shit. He is a bad dude guy that you don't mess with he's a bad king he disrespects the gods and it's kind of alluded to that he's a serial rapist oh that's terrible he's a bad guy but mostly due to the call of adventure within Gilgamesh himself he makes it his task to do some pretty wild heroics which is where we get like the hero's journey right yeah yeah but along the way he meets his best friend Enkidu who is described as a sort of feral man and it's pretty weird (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I with love the name Inky-Doo. of I do too. With the name of Inky Doo. Come on. It is so weird. Skinamarinky Dinky Dink. Skinamarinky Doo. But he's he's described as like having like the fur of an animal almost, mm-hmm. like as hairy as a. I don't remember what animal they used, but I remember them talking about like like very much like a Neanderthal. Kind of, but like almost like he's wearing a pelt. Yeah. But oh. like his his hair he's is like Tom Hanks castaway, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of hairy. Oh. yeah. But it's not Tom Hanks. No. But it's not Tom Although we could probably get Tom Hanks to play Inky Doo in the movie. Yeah, could play good Inky Doo. Henry Zabrowski. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. He would be an amazing Inky Doo. Oh my god. Well, when are we filming this Gilgamesh story now, you I guys? I don't know. Who'd be Gilgamesh? Obviously Ben Kissel. He's got the beard for it. <laughs> oh he goodness. has a beard and he's just like he, he just has like a like a like a cooler Bud Light lines following him. <laughs> Where... No, his his kingly ruler staff is made out of Bud Light Lime. Yeah, and then and then Puffin's just following him. <laughs> oh Puffin. Where's Marcus in this story? Is he He's the narrator? He's the narrator. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought Marcus... Or we could cast him as an Anana. Yeah. Or as... <laughs> Who'd be Lilith in this thing? Jackie Zabrowski. Obviously, it's Jackie. <laughs> Duh. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> um, where were we? Oh yeah, Inky Doo. Um, their bromance, Gilgamesh and Inky Doo's bromance, blossoms as they continue to do some wild tasks. And one of the things that Gilgamesh has to do is chop down a pretty famous tree called the, bear with me here, I think it's pronounced Hulupu tree? Hulupu? Hulupu tree? It's a willow tree. Yeah. Oh. Um, the Sumerian goddess of love, Inanna, who is later adopted by the Akkadians and the Assyrians as Ishtar, takes a tree from the water after a storm blows it down and decides to plant it in her own garden. Once planted, it is described as this. The years passed, five years and then ten years. The tree grew thick, but its bark did not split. Then the serpent, who could not be charmed, made its nest in the roots of the hulupu tree? I think so. The Anzu bird sets its young in the branches of the tree, and the dark maid Lilith built her home in the trunk. Interesting. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, tell me what you think. It's a lot of the same imagery that I think you're probably going to talk about later on, maybe. Okay. Either in this or a different episode, but... I'll probably talk about it a little the, bit. The tree and the serpent... Yeah. ...is mm-hmm. very... And and that's the case with a lot of things in, in these old stories yeah. and any kind of myth or religious texts. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of the same stuff. Like, there's a flood mentioned in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. And There's a flood mentioned in pretty much every yeah, mythology. Yeah. Yeah. I really think at some point there was probably a great flood because I did we too. have so many flood stories. Well, they, for a long time, we didn't think Troy was a real city. Yeah. But we now know it exists mm-hmm. and that there was a war there. Yeah. I think because this shows up in every, pretty much every culture, yeah. it had to have happened. Yeah. And there was probably a man with a boat. <laughs> That's, you know, that's one of the things I'm really interested in as far as comparative religion. Yeah, is how are same. they the same? Because there's similarities, and it, and it's too similar to be of coincidence. Yeah, and I think, I think we probably got trading, um, like merchant trading, a lot sooner than we think mm-hmm. because these stories are passed orally first. Yeah, 
I'm very interested in that and how the stories move from one culture to another. Yeah. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this yeah. too. But I really like that line, uh, the serpent who cannot be charmed. It's very serpent in the Garden of Eden. And then the dark maid Lilith who built her home in the trunk, um, which I think might make more sense when we talk about her visually uh, represented. Yeah. So, what did you see anything about what the Anzu bird is or what it represents or anything like that? No. Okay. <laughs> I, this is the first time I had read anything about an Anzu bird. I was interested in it, but I figured for this I, it yeah. wouldn't matter. But I maybe this is a good time to talk about her being <laughs> her depictions because yeah. uh, it might make more well, sense. And to me, it's interesting that it has its young there and then it talks about Lilith in the trunk. So, mm, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, I think we'll talk about that point a little bit later on when I get to the Talmud. Mm-hmm. But this is a good time for me to talk about how she's visually depicted. Um, I was going to do it later. Let me pull it up. Okay. <laughs> so, in ancient Mesopotamian carving, she is depicted as a, wom- a woman with long hair, wings, sometimes a crown of horns. Hmm. or two horns, or sometimes taloned feet. Um, But there's also owl imagery associated to her, which I think is why I think that line is interesting. It's very bird-like to me. It's why I kind of made sense with the Anzu bird as well. Yeah. Kind of pushing those two things together. But there are some times where her name is translated into, like, a screeching owl instead of her name. Interesting. Yeah, we'll get into that because I think it's erasure. It's giving me kind of Athena vibes a little bit, too. She is what I would consider the dark Athena. Okay, dark Athena. Yeah. Okay. That's a badass like, as fuck. Yeah, like I think if we take dark a step Athena. back out of context of mythology, yeah, I would say she's somewhere in between Athena, Hecate. Okay. And there's really no one else I can think of that steals babies like her. Yeah. Other than other Jewish demons. Mm-hmm. Jewish tradition is scared of losing their kids, I've just realized. Yeah. Which makes sense. I, well, I feel like a lot of times kids are viewed as that's your future. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And the future for not only just your family, but also your culture, your religion, or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I think, it, I think it's that. I think it's also a way to explain infant mortality rates at a time when medicine wasn't as advanced advanced as it is today. Yeah. Um, I think it's a way of coping. I would say that's that's fair. Yeah. But anyway, this verse of the Epic of Gilgamesh um, actually gets repeated at least four times throughout this section of the poem. It's very important. (laughs) We want you to know. Um, But I'm going to go... So why is it it back-to-back repeated? No, that's a good question. Um, It's repeated as as far as, like, the reader is reading the story first. But then Inanna, who picks up this tree, has to relate it to someone else, who relates it to someone else. And then Inanna relates it to Gilgamesh eventually. Uh, Okay. So it's... They really wanted you to pay attention to this. 100%. It's very important. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and jump us ahead to when Gilgamesh decides to chop down the hula-hoop tree. The hula-hoop tree. The hula-hoop tree. I'm just going to say willow tree. Are you guys fine with that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have a hard time with that word. Um, Gilgamesh, the valiant warrior Gilgamesh, the hero of Uruk, stood by Inanna. Gilgamesh fastened his armor of 50 minas around his chest. Is it minas? 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 Minas sounds familiar. Minas? Yeah. Minas. 
The 50 meanest weighed as little to him as 50 feathers. Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't that strong. You ain't no inky do. Yeah. Inky do strong. Mm-hmm. Although, to be fair, they the way that they meet is that they both are, like, wrestling with each other to prove yeah. who's stronger. And they get so tired, they just call it a tie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why I love their friendship. <laughs> no, they're so weird. Um, I'm going to jump back in now. He lifted his bronze axe, the axe of the road, weighing seven talents and seven minas to his shoulder. That must weigh a lot. Yeah. I don't know what those weight measurements relate to, but Mm. that sounds like a lot. Yeah. Either way, he enters Inanna's holy garden, which I think is... (laughs) That's... Okay. It could be a euphemism, but I think it's also very Garden of Eden as well. Yeah, that's true. She is a goddess of love, kind of like Aphrodite. Okay. Do you say Aphrodite or Aphrodite? Ooh, Aphrodite. Who says Aphrodite? I was listening to a documentary, and I was listening to a mythology podcast about Aphrodite, and they said Aphrodite. Well, they're wrong. I just can't get behind that. It was weird. It sounds odd. And, well, and that's the same with, like, I say Agnodice, but you were saying Agnodiki. Yeah, and that just sounds wrong to my ears. I don't know why. Well, I also heard other people say Agnodice. Which is Which, 100% okay. wrong. We yeah. can all agree that's not yeah. right. Yeah. So I think I showed you a different spelling, which is why I think you have, or I think you've seen a different spelling of her name, which might be why you have that pronunciation in your head. I found other spellings of her name. That's A-G-N-O-D-I-K-E. But there's like a line over the... But then it's like Nike. Yeah. Agna Dike. Yeah. Yeah. But it wouldn't be Agnadiki or whatever. Oh, what did I say originally? Agnadiki. Yeah. Oh, did I? Oh, I meant Agnadiki. But you had told me before that people say it Agnadiki. They do. Yeah. Or yeah. Diki. Sorry. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Oh, I know. Okay. We're going to jump back in. <laughs> Sorry. Gilgamesh entered Anana's holy garden. Gilgamesh struck the serpent who could not be charmed. The Anzu bird flew with his young to the mountains, and Lilith smashed her home and fled to the wild, uninhabited places. Gilgamesh then loosened the roots of the willow tree, and the sons of the city who accompanied him cut off the branches. So, who told him to smash up this tree? Inanna. Oh, why? I can't, I don't really understand why. There's not a good reason Listen. in the tale. Chaos. Anarchy, that's why. I think this, that's actually why. Here's my theory. This is a very long extended metaphor for something very different. <laughs> Oh, no. 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 Listen. No, no. I can't. Not with... I mean, it would make sense if Lilith is there, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with... He just wanted to show off his muscles for Anana, the goddess of love. But if she and asked down him... And chopped Why? She brought this tree from the flooded world, the stormy world. Yeah, but apparently caused her havoc. What if she what? was just like... Man, that tree is now an eyesore. I'm gonna get rid of that. I need so I need a strong arm. I need a need a voice, some muscles. A big strong man's gotta get rid of this tree. I and need all a Gilgamesh. She should have called Inky Doo. Exactly. Oh, Inky Doo might be dead by this point. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Inky Doo does die. Yeah. Um, anyway. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm spoiling a four thousand yeah. year old story. Yes. That's the, the ultimate spoiler to me. <laughs> Now, once this tree is dismantled into pieces, 
it's made to use various items. Like Gilgamesh makes a throne for his sister and a bed for Anana. But like he's 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 claiming he's reclaiming wood. He's listen, DIYing. There's a theme in mythology of people just cutting down miscal mis miscellaneous mystical trees. Oh yeah, because you see it with like, is it Osiris? Yes. 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 And they he gets trapped in this tree and then the king cuts it down and makes it a pillar in his court yeah. and stuff. Yeah. King Arthur takes oh, this great yeah. big oak and makes the round table yeah. and I just, be nice to the trees, everyone. They had to make furniture somehow, KB. But not the special tree. Okay. You don't need the special tree. Okay, that's Why is fair. the tree special? It's just a tree. This isn't just a this tree. This one has like mystical beings living in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, what? They're like the sit sprites. Listen, that serpent was sitting there just content. The birds were fine. I, I don't know if there? a snake who could not be charmed would sit contently in the tree. I the think he would. A snake is a dead one. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, we do live in Texas. I do agree with that statement. Okay, listen. If it's a rattlesnake. Can I tell you something horrific I saw on Pinterest? Oh my god, I don't know. Someone was getting their dishwasher replaced by their <laughs> by their apartment land owner, landlord. <laughs> and they took it out and there was a big, long snake skeleton. <laughs> like the vertebrate. Yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. have vertebrae. What is it? Yeah, vertebrae. Is this vertebrae? Okay. And the caption on it was, this was behind my dishwasher. I live on the third floor. Uh, and it was horrific. Oh, God. And it scared me a lot. There's basilisks in those pipes. <laughs> I don't got no basilisk fang to stab the diary with. We're not going to get out of the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But that's another <laughs> euphemism. We're just full of them today. Um, but I want to go ahead and focus on what I think is the important phrasing for this, which yeah. is Lilith smashed her home mm-hmm. and fled to the wild, uninhabited places. Yeah. If we move into the Christian tradition, the prophet Isaiah meets Lilith in the desert. Isaiah 34, 14 reads... The creatures of the desert will encounter jackals, and the hairy goat will call to its kind. Indeed, Lilith will settle there and find herself a place of rest. Hmm. So, wild uninhabited places, deserts, and many of the stories revolving around Lilith, they take place in a desert. Lilith just wants some peace. She just wants to be away from everybody, I think. I would, too. Like... A spirit animal, you guys, like me. <laughs> Gilgamesh came and smashed up my house. And now I'm just going to go away from everyone. Like, I would, too. Yeah. But I would like to call out two things about this. Okay. This translation used the phrase hairy goat. Other translations use the word satyr. Oh. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. This translation says Lilith. Mm-hmm. But... Most other translations erase her name completely. Hmm. Some of them will pay a call to it using mm-hmm. the word Lilith, which is one of the ancient words for it to mean night or wind spirit. Mm-hmm. 
But instead of using her name or anything else that relates to it, they'll instead use words like screech owl, night monster, or night bird. Are you talking about like Mothman? She is kind of Mothman of the ancient world, I think. It's so, so which translation is this? Which version of the Bible is from? Do we know? That's a great question. I did have it written down and I forgot to move it. Okay. <laughs> but it was like, it wasn't like a New King James or anything like that. Yeah. It was like. A, which is heavily edited. Heavily edited. It was kind of an off brand, I'll say. But it was, it was the best one that I could find that used Lilith. Okay. That I thought was as close to what the other translations okay. were saying as well. Was it, I guess, a newer version after we had done a bunch of this, I guess, research and known more about this? Or was it older? Because that would be my guess is that it's either very, very old or very, very new. I th- I'm going to say it was probably a newer. Okay. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Because I was looking at a lot of different translations. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure this was a newer one. Okay. So I appreciated that they put it back in there. Yeah. They do also, in this translation, have in brackets next to her name, Night Demon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as a possible translation for Lilith instead. Okay. But, well, this is where I was going to talk about her <laughs> her depictions. But, um, yeah, so using these terms like Screech Owl or Nightbird, they're not bad translations, I would say, based on how she is visually depicted. Mm-hmm. I think they're calling back to that. Yeah. Which I think is interesting how that seems to have passed down more than her name has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's this weird... Mm-hmm. I think saying something like Screech Owl removes a lot of... I agree. It mm-hmm. It's... Because that seems very... I don't want to... Pedestrian, I guess I would call yeah. it. It's just kind of like, oh, there's a bird hanging out in the desert, you know. Well, it also but, makes it sound a lot less dangerous, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Because at this point in Isaiah, he's about to go out into the desert. And this is kind of a warning to him, I believe, from God. Okay. Um, like, yo, this is what you're going to run into. And there's going to be all sorts of dangerous animals. And you've got to watch out for this Lilith. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but when that's removed, and they change it from... I mean, like, hyenas and jack- jackals are mentioned in yeah. other translations as well. But yeah, I think it, I don't know, I think it's erasure of yeah. mm-hmm. of something. It's interesting to me because, oh gosh, I don't even know how to get into this, but Christianity as it's forming is having to overtake all these pagan beliefs that have been around for a long yes. time. I'm very glad you've mentioned this. So a lot of the time they would take that pagan imagery and make it into scary stuff yeah and i think one of the best examples is like the serpent in the garden yes because you have like the world serpent is kind of Mm -hmm. a pagan thing and so but they do that with a lot of things so where was i going with this (laughs) sorry i guess it's interesting to me oh yes so to me it seems like a lot of the time those pagan spaces tend to be in places like the desert Mm -hmm. or the wild places, I guess, as we said from the earlier yeah. passage, or things like swamps or whatever. And we have yeah. this sort of aversion to that a lot of the yeah. time, unless we've been in those places and feel at home there, because yeah. they seem like these wild, pagan, unclaimed spaces, right. which I'm interested in. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think it, it brings up an idea for me that it's I have two thoughts that are not quite connected yet, so I'm just going to start talking. Okay. I think there's an innate fear of these wild inhabited places that you're, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, 
because for some reason these religious factions, I'm going to call them, yeah. are afraid somewhat of wild knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say that, I mean kind of connection to natural knowledge. Yeah. I don't know how else to phrase that, yeah. but th- this feral wilderness. I think there, I think for a lot of history, spirituality was very connected to nature and things like that. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah, and then over time, it became more connected to, I guess they called it enlightenment, you know, a lot yes, of the time, yeah, yeah. or this institutional kind of civilized version of what religion can be. Yeah. So I think you've got those things really opposed at a certain period in history. Where yeah. it's, and And we see it in a lot of places where, you know, there's this longstanding pagan belief that's very nature-based, and then you've got this sort of higher civilized, I guess they would call themselves form of religion. Yeah. So those two things are kind of butting heads. Yeah. I'd say. Which my second thought that I kind of want to connect these two mm-hmm. is that this is chronologically in the Bible. This is after the Israelites have wandered the desert for 40 years. Oh, okay. okay. And God is giving Isaiah a warning about the desert. Yeah. And, and, and the creatures that are there. Yeah. So my question that I don't think we could ever really answer based on text mm-hmm. is, is Lilith there while the Israelites are wandering around after leaving Egypt? I would say she would have to be. I would yeah. think she would be. Yeah. Which I guess we can talk about a little bit later when I talk about the Jewish tradition mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. But I think this is probably a good place for us to take a break before we get into the Jewish tradition of Lilith. Yeah. So you guys enjoy your ad. Um, We're going to go eat more pizza (laughs) and then we'll be back. (laughs) Bye. All right, we're going to hurry up and finish this episode before Sally dies. Yeah. I'm already dead on the inside. Me. <laughs> All right. So the Jewish tradition of Lilith. Yeah. Pardon tradition. Me. Tradition. <laughs> I really wanted to go see Fiddler on the Roof at Dallas Summer Musicals. I was going to take my dad because there was a movie that we watched when I was. Because it was what? Tradition. Tradition. The papa, the papa. That's what he sings all the time. It's yeah. so funny. Oh, My dad will walk around the house and be like, you have to listen to me because I'm the papa, the papa. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this might be highly offensive. <laughs> I've just realized. Um, all right. So the Jewish tradition does not hold back on its depiction of Lilith. Before I get too deep into this, I do want to come back to kind of what you were saying earlier Mm -hmm. about these religions kind of taking pagan ideas. Yeah. So ancient Judaism and early Christianity looked very different from how we see them and how they operate today. There is still a lot of of usurping of pagan ideas and rituals um, and adopting them into their own Abrahamic tradition. Mm -hmm. That being said, in the Jewish tradition, Lilith is a demon still but she can steal children pretty much for the first week after their birth. A magical bull from the first, 
a magical bowl, you guys. Like, this is how it's described as, like, an artifact. A magical bowl from the first century CE. Written in Hebrew, it reads, Designated is this bowl for the sealing of the house of this Gaonai Bar-Mamai, that there flee from him the evil Lilith. There are also ancient images of Lilith, which show her hands bound, which appear to be a form of visual magic for containing her. Now, both of these things are usurped from the ancient Mesopotamian cultures. The bowl itself was given to a person named, I don't know how you pronounce it, Mamai? Yeah. Mamai, who had had a baby, and there was a baby in this house. So the protection against Lilith was for this baby. Okay. In the Talmud... Lilith becomes not only a spirit of darkness, but a figure of uncontrolled sexuality. The Babylonian Talmud uh, says it is forbidden for a man to sleep alone in a house, lest Lilith get hold of him. Lilith is said to make herself pregnant with male sperm to give birth to other demons, basically. So if a man is alone in his house, he could come under the rule of succubus Lilith, basically. She Lilith doesn't have time for that. She's hanging out in the desert trying to get some peace. Yeah. There's a reason that man She's is a alone hermitess in his house. that raises goats. Let yeah. her be. Not gonna lie. The I've been told the woman that I have my middle name from, my mom's Aunt Rosie, she lives in Fredericksburg, Texas, and is a hermitess that raises goats. She's my hero. I've never met her. Can we go meet her? Can we interview her? I don't know. She's a hermitess. She must be fucking left alone. So my mom had this really good idea that for next Mother's Day we should talk about legendary lasses in our own family. You found yours. Yeah. I, f- I found a, there's a lot. Mm. Like, I think we should just do lot. like an individual episode and release all three of them on Mother's Day. Yeah. I've got like, my mom has this, like, my mom is badass. Yeah. She's, she's led a life. She has led a life. <laughs> but anyway, jumping back in here. Yeah. This forbidden for a man to sleep alone might make more sense after we read this next part. So later after the Babylonian uh, Talmud, the alphabet of Ben Sira is published and scholars think it's somewhere around the 8th or 10th century CE. Mm. It actually sets Lilith as Adam's first wife before Eve. And this is where we get the legend of her being Adam's first wife originating Mm. is in this alphabet of Ben Sira. But before we jump into that, I want to start with the Bible again. Okay. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Lots of repetition. Yeah. Now, this is from, like, a more popular contemporary version. So, okay. like, what's, not, what's the NIV, the new... International version? version? Yeah, Yeah. that one. Um, Now, chapter two of Genesis is what I'm going to call the expanded version of this. But I think it could also be read as 
two separate? Two separates. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a man and woman created. And then and there's man. there's another man or woman created. So chapter 2, verse 15, and we're going to be going to about verse 23. So just okay. bear with me here. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone, which I think is interesting mm -hmm. when we go back to the Talmud. Okay. I will make a helper suitable for him. But for Adam, note, this is jumping ahead to about 20. So I okay. skipped a verse. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Where we get Eve. Or here, she's not named, and it's woman. Mm. But what doesn't make sense to me with this reading is that it seems when we list out the seven days in Genesis chapter one, yeah, he creates them simultaneously. Yeah. In this, the man is already there, or he makes the man yeah. earlier than what I read from the earth and breathed life into him, where yeah. he became a living being. Mm -hmm. And Eve is not made that way. Yeah. She's made with her his rib bone. Yeah. Instead of being made from the earth. Sounds like an afterthought. Just like, sounds dumb. It sounds like it is a revised edition for a specific agenda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was put in. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to go into my own religious thoughts here, but that's for me. Yeah. So, I'm going to go ahead and move us to the alphabet of Ben Sira, where it reads, The angels who are in charge of medicine, bear with me, guys. Do you want me to try it? Try it. it. <laughs> Is that what I'm worried about? Snavi? Snasvi? <laughs> and Smirnoff. No, it's not Smirnoff. It's, not Smirnoff. it's Smingloff. <laughs> so, we've got Snavi, Snasvi. And Smingloff. Yes. Those are, I'm going to tell you right now. If I had to talk to these angels of medicine, mm -hmm. I would not trust them with my life. Why? Look at their names. What? <laughs> Listen, I would name it one of them. Like like Justin McElroy, Sydney McElroy, and Charlie McElroy. Charlie. McElroy. <laughs> Charlie. Their Thank kid. God. Oh, okay. Their first kid. Gotcha. Um, it sounds like a drunk named them. Yeah. What? Snoozy. You're Snoozy. You're Snoozy. And, and I'm Snoozy. <laughs> you're not wrong. Or it was like, or it was like, uh, like in Midsummer where they're dancing and she's just like, I'm speaking Swedish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they probably mean something. But I didn't take the time to look at it. It sounds like a bunch of flim flam. <laughs> so anyway, after God created Adam, who was alone, he said, it is not good for man to be alone, which again is quoted from Genesis 2.18. Okay. 
He then created a woman for Adam from the earth as he had created Adam himself and called her Lilith. Adam and Lilith began to fight. She said, I will not lie below. And he said, I will not lie beneath you, but only on top of you. For you are fit only to be in the bottom position <sighs> while I am to be in the superior one. Fuck off, Adam. Lilith responded, we are equal to each other in as much as we were both created from the earth. But they would not listen to one another. When Lilith saw this, she pronounced the ineffable name and flew away into the air. She suddenly has wings. Adam stood in prayer before his creator. Sovereign of the universe, he said, the woman you gave me has run away. Okay. <laughs> At once the Holy One, blessed be he, sent these three angels to bring her back. Said the Holy One to Adam, if she ag agrees to come back, fine. If not, she must permit 100 of her children to die every day. The angels left God and pursued Lilith, whom they overtook in the midst of the sea and the mighty waters wherein the Egyptians were destined to drown. So the Red Sea. The Red Sea. They told her God's word, but she did not wish to return. The angel said, we shall drown you in the sea. Leave me, she said. I was created only to cause sickness in infants. If the infant is male, I have dominion over him for eight days after his birth and a female for 20 days. When the angels heard Lilith's word, they insisted she go back, but she swore to them by the name of the living and eternal God. Whenever I see you or your names or your forms in an amulet, I will have no power over that infant. She also agreed to have 100 of her children die every day. Accordingly, every day 100 demons perish, and for the same reason, we write the angels' names on the amulets of young children. When Lilith sees their names, she remembers her oath, and the child recovers. So where do we want to start? <laughs> where to start? Okay. Where do you want to start, KB? You tell me. Oh, my God. With Adam saying that Lilith was given to him. Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> uh, are you talking about when he's talking to God? Yes. This woman that you gave to me or whatever uh -huh. has yeah. run away. And it's like, no, you drove her away. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't He's, given to you. He was he was playing the she victim. She kind of was given to him. Well, no, but wait. he was playing the victim. Let's go back. Okay. Um, God who created Adam, who was alone, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. He then created a woman for Adam. <sighs> but from the earth, as he had created Adam himself. So it's like, essentially, he's like, yo, I'm going to set up with this chick. She's going to be awesome. Don't gonna, even worry about don't it. Don't worry about it. And then, like, Adam was like, this bitch doesn't do anything okay. I say. So, hmm. <laughs> You're so angry. I am. And it's because I have the verse in my mind that's from Genesis, the first version, where it says he created them in yeah. his image. Yeah. He created them male and female. He yeah. created them. And yeah. they are both in his image. Yeah. But I feel like people look at this and think that it's only Adam that's in his image. And mm, that mm -hmm. whatever, either whether it's Lilith or Eve, yeah. that she is not. Well, I think it's interesting you say that because I think even modern uh, images of 
uh, Lilith do show her kind of like dripping of mud. Mm-hmm. Like she's still made of earth, if that makes oh. sense. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I'll try to find, I, I look at a lot of images of Lilith because I think she's just fascinatingly represented. Yeah. So I'll try to post that as well. I'm also going to post my favorite sculpture that just happens to be of Lilith. Uh-huh. It's super creepy, but yeah. it's, she's like, she's like bent up kind of like a spider mm-hmm. and she hangs upside down on the wall Yeah, and her head is like completely turned. So her chin is like on her shoulder and she's like staring at people, mm-hmm. but she's got these bright blue eyes and it's a completely black figure yeah. and it's incredible. Yeah. The sculptor is amazing, but yeah, I think this is also interesting because like you said, the woman you gave me ran away. Mm-hmm. I'll probably touch on this. My one, I want to do an episode on Eve and Pandora as yeah. well, because I think they have very similarities, but in that story of Eve with the apple, Adam says something along the lines in, in the Bible says something along the lines of the woman you brought here in this place with me. She did it. Yeah. Even though, like, a verse or two before, Adam was with her at the tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's very much like he's ready to blame this person. Mm-hmm. And this would be the f- the second person I he did it to. I have strong opinions about Adam. I would like to know why. And I would like to know if you think it's because of an agenda and revision. Yes. Mm-hmm. I... M- and again, I know we weren't talking about personal religion and stuff like that, uh-huh. but I think that that first version, uh-huh. you have like Genesis chapter one and then Genesis chapter two, where it does the same thing. Yeah. And the Bible is made up of many, many different sources uh-huh. and versions and books and, you know, and it all kind of got mishmashed together. So uh-huh. my thinking is that probably... The first version is one that's maybe older and a lot less, um, it has a lot less of an agenda, I would say. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, the I second I need version, to be very careful talking yes, about this first version. Yeah. I, I do too, because I don't want to make anyone think that I'm putting down their beliefs or their religion or anything yes, like that. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I, and I have the utmost respect for all of these books of many religions, because I think they're so interesting Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm very into comparative religion. Yeah. So I don't want anyone to think that, but to me, that first version seems a lot more, you know, this is our kind of creation myth that maybe goes along with, you know, what we've seen before in previous religions and things like that. It's not as, Yes. Let's call it what it is. It's not as misogynistic yes, as the Ashley. second version. So Yes, Ashley. Yes, I, I would like to ask you if you think it's because the first version from Genesis chapter 1 seems more stating facts. Yeah. And less drawn out. Like it's a novel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and I think... Like, does that... I guess the question is, does the tone... Of yes, the writing the, affected. The, the tone is different. It is. And I think I'm going to say because there are major figures within even the life of Christ, and I don't want to yeah. step on any of the other episodes we're going to do because yeah, I know we're doing more biblical figures. Mm-hmm. 
and even in the early church, there's evidence to suggest that there were female clergy and that they were involved in the church and all of these things. And then yet when we get to later on when we're deciding what's in the Bible, which took place over, you know, kind of a long period of time, Mm -hmm. I think. But during that process of deciding what's in, what's out, what are we going to call the Bible? Values shifted. Yeah. To me. And female contribution was minimized or erased. And it's very much either the, the thing we still sometimes encounter today where either she's a whore mm-hmm. or she's on a pedestal. Right. And there's not a lot of women in between. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because originally this episode was going to be me pointing to similarities between Mary Magdalene mm-hmm. and Lilith. Yeah. Upon getting more deep into Mary Magdalene's research, though, I found myself kind of in the woods a little bit. Yeah. Because I'm unsure of how to talk about this. And one, not offend anyone. Yeah. Because I think Mary Magdalene is a respected figure of the Bible contemporarily. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, point out the fact that there are revisions to yeah. this book yes, that have erasure attributed to them mm-hmm. that do have an agenda to them. Mm-hmm. And one of them being female clergy, yeah. clergy practices. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe it goes back a little bit to just early Christianity looked a lot different than what we're comfortable with now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Early Christianity was wild, you guys. It was from buck wild, y'all. And I don't even know. I wouldn't say I'm an expert on it. but Same. From even just the little that I've heard about it, it was very much disorganized and, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, which is, I mean, we'll get into this when I talk about Mary Magdalene eventually. Yeah. But it, it, yes, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. That's all we can say about That's it right now. right now. I'm, I'm still yeah. a little bit lost in the forest. Yeah. Um, but I would yeah. say as far as this kind of Genesis and Lilith and all of that, mm-hmm. I, I think that, again, I'm going to go back to, I think that first version is maybe the one that's more, you know, I guess... I don't want to call it true or true mm-hmm. to the what the tradition would be or things like that. Yeah. And then I think that second version is maybe it has it rings to me like there's a little more of an agenda behind it. Yeah. I agree. And for centuries and even still now for some people that's very much the view we still have of women. What? And I know. Sally, I'm sorry to tell you this this way and but and you are I, a second class citizen well and oh gosh. <laughs> and the whole idea of women are punished with childbirth because of this sin and women are punished with all these things all right well let's and take it easy because we haven't even we pandora have, okay. oh gosh that reminds me of so much oh I, and i'm just having, I, I, oh god it reminds me of, mm. i'm having a difficult time holding all this in so 
But Maybe we should have done my even Pandora episode first. I don't know. But but just know, more's coming, you guys. <laughs> We're trying to be tame and civilized, but we have opinions. Which is surprising for a podcast about legendary lasses, I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of unsure of how to wrap up this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk about Lilith in a contemporary view. Yeah. If that's cool. Yeah. She's still a demon succubus today. And I think that's not surprising to anybody. There are many, fascinatingly enough, it's usually an anime. Oh. Um, that she is a winged voluptuous woman who. I'm so very surprised. Uh, yes. Who is a demon who is a succubus of some kind. Yeah. But there are also horror movies aimed at the origin story of Lilith. Mm-hmm. And when I say the origin story of Lilith, I mean it's a, it's a movie about the fear of your child being stolen away by a demon. Yeah. I watched at least two horror movies that are like this. One of them, she was kind of that, like, dripping mud kind of oh. person. <clears throat> the other, it was just, like, a, a weird almost bird-like lady. It was strange. But at one point in time, she is portrayed as a very beautiful woman that isn't winged or isn't talented or doesn't have horns. Mm -hmm. I think it's Michelangelo. I'll post this on our page for this as well. But um, Michelangelo paints her um, as as the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Oh. Um, And she's wrapped around a tree and handing off an apple. Interesting. So, can we go back to something really quick? Yes. Because in that, from the alphabet of Ben... Ben Sarah? Sarah? Yes. There was something about she pronounced the ineffable the name. The ineffable name. What, what is that about? Um, so, I think this is more to do with the Jewish tradition that I, I'm not fully aware of. Okay. I think it has something to do with God's real name. Yeah. That's like, you're not supposed to speak it. Okay, so she has kind of a similar... That's what I was trying to get at, is the... She does something she's not supposed to, and it kind of follows that same thing as Eve a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I think in her case, it's a claiming of power, though. Yeah. Whereas in Eve's case, it's a loss of something. Yeah. Not necessarily power, because I don't think she had any to begin with. Well... But... And I... So I'm thinking about that in terms of her being painted as the serpent. Yeah. So that's interesting to me is she kind of takes this name Mm -hmm. and then that she would be the person to say to Eve, Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is interesting when you read the Genesis biblical version Mm -hmm. of it, because especially in some translations, the serpent is very kind of tongue in cheek a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Like, Oh, he told you that? Well, you're not going to die. Yeah. It's just knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why wouldn't you want knowledge? Yeah. But again, and I want to talk about this in the even Pandora episode, but there is this kind of like the opening of Pandora's box, right? Like it, it by eating this apple, it lets in certain things that, were supposedly, supposedly humans wouldn't have had to deal with. Yeah. I'm going to save that. 
and we'll get into yeah. that some more. I have thoughts about that. I have thoughts about that as well. <laughs> um, but, so yeah, Michelangelo paints her as a serpent wrapped around this tree, handing off the apple. Adam is there in this mm-hmm. portrait. Eve is not alone, which, yeah. like, thank you for picking up on that, Michelangelo. Second of all, oh, I cannot remember the painter now. Italian Renaissance. Uh, Just name off, so name off, name of off the, the Ninja Turtles. Donatello. No. Um, it's not Leonardo. Leonardo. There's uh, Raphael. Raphael. It may what? have been Raphael. So what painting oh, are you talking? Cowabunga, about? dude. Um, it's <laughs> it's a painting of Lilith as this woman like combing out her hair, but she's got red hair. Yeah. Have you seen? This I think one? I've seen this. Yeah. I'll post it as well. I'll have the artist's name on there. Of course. Cowabunga. Cowabunga, dude. Can I tell a funny, embarrassing story about my brother? Yeah. Well, will your brother be okay with that? He better be. As of today, my brother has not yet listened to our podcast. Oh, so, so, so we are so in the clear. Mm-hmm. Aaron, I'm sorry. <laughs> my brother loves the Ninja Turtles, but he loves. Rightfully so. They're fucking awesome. Agreed. But he loved the lady in that show. The April. Mo- April. April. My parents took him to see something like Ninja Turtles Live or something. Uh-huh. And April had this like solo song. Uh-huh. And my parents bought him the tape of it. They were listening to it in the car on the way back. Uh-huh. And my mom looks back and my brother's like staring off into the middle distance. <laughs> and he goes, she's singing to me, mom. And it was like a Come Rescue Me song, yeah. which, like, my, my parents should have known then. But, like, yeah, it was very cute. And he'll probably be very embarrassed that I told this story. I might cut this out. We'll Aww. see. But no. It was very cute. He should, no, he should, he should be like, hey, you should really listen to this episode about Lilo. It would, I think you'd really like it. Yeah. I might have told an embarrassing story about you. Yeah. <laughs> That's not that embarrassing. That's sweet. Yeah. It is very it sweet. It is very sweet. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm not quite sure how to wrap up this episode other than asking you guys the question again, demon succubus or feminist icon? Yes. Both? I see. I think there's been maybe a bit of a reclaiming of Lilith a little bit. I would say so. Mm -hmm. More recently, particularly because there's this first equal woman Mm. narrative around her. I want to get that phrase that she says, uh, we are equal in so much as we are made of the earth or something like that. Yeah. Oh. Like, I want that hanging up on my wall somewhere. I'm like, sure. what a power. Can we sell a shirt with that on? Maybe. Yeah. I would It's It's that. in the Bible public domain. It's in the top. No, it's in the alphabet of Ben Sira. Also public domain because it's, it's like. 8th century. <laughs> yeah, we should. That would be really cool with mm-hmm. our legendary glasses. Logo. In Comic Sans font. Ah. <laughs> oh, I did hear. Okay, as much as people hate Comic Sans, I did hear that it's good for people with problems with dyslexia and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry, I took a sip of coffee. <laughs> that's okay. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that's really interesting to me. Comic Sans has a purpose. Comic Sans does like. have a purpose. I've also heard that it's good for, um, like, if you're doing any kind of, like, writing, mm-hmm. when you find yourself getting stuck when you're just typing, yeah. if you turn Comic Sans on, it, like, switches something in your brain, so yeah. you're, like, not self-editing, mm-hmm. and that's really cool. Interesting. I've not tried that myself. 
because I haven't had that problem come up yet. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes when you are trying to edit, I need wood. Oh dear. She's got to find some wood. There's particle board right here. Particle board. Okay. Um, I I've heard that when you are editing, it's sometimes helpful to change fonts mm-hmm. or yeah, I've print it out too. or things like that. So that's also helpful. Yeah. Comics. I'm gonna not advocate for doing everything in Comic Sans. Like, don't turn in your term paper in Comic Sans. Oh, I was gonna say you should turn in your PhD dissertation no, in Comic Sans. Listen, <laughs> some departments maybe. I feel like you could get away with it, especially if you're in like teaching and learning kind of mm, programs, sure. maybe. But for the most part, don't do that. However, I'm going to advocate for. Less hatred for Comic Sans. Sure. While we're talking about t-shirts for us, like our merch, yeah, I'd like to put it out there. We don't have a very large <laughs> listenership yet. Hopefully that changes. Yeah. But I would like to put it out there that I would very much love like a freelance illustrator to like contact us if you have any work available that we could use as a logo. Yeah. Um, or like if we could commission you to do a yeah. logo for us. I think it'd be really cool mm-hmm. to talk about designs with you. So hit us up. <laughs> Which I guess leads us into our housekeeping notes at the end of yeah. the episode. So make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. All of those places we are at Legendary Lasses. And also, if you have any suggestions on topics or people you want us to cover, you can also email us, and that's legendarylasses at gmail.com. You can also slide into our DMs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could if you, you want. You could. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can visit our website at legendarylasses.wordpress.com, where we include notes, pictures, and links uh, for each episode of the podcast. And we're now on several platforms and are continuing to explain, expand, expand. We're expanding? We're expanding. Expanding where our podcast is available. If you happen to use Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and rate us, leave a review. Um, if not, we'd, we'd love to hear from you via email or, or on Facebook or in our DMs. Slide in there. Let us know what you think. And if you do like us, you can also donate to our podcast on our Anchor page. And that page is anchor.fm slash legendarylasses. We would like to give a big shout out and an even bigger thank you to our first donors, Ron and Gabrielle. They donated to us last week. And they're awesome. They're the best. And good luck to you guys being better than them. (laughs) (laughs) They're Ashley's parents. So... (laughs) I wrote the about. script and I felt like I couldn't read that and be impartial. So yeah. I made Katie Beth read yeah. it. <laughs> we all love her parents. They're just wonderful, lovely people. We talked about um, them a lot this episode, actually. Yeah. They got some great dogs, too. Yes, they, they do. I still haven't met Mocha. Yeah. Mocha's so sweet. Sally really wants to meet Mocha. She's the best. You should come over to my parents. I'll see if you can come over sometime. Yeah, and then you can come over to my parents. And I got me Barbara Jean. Yeah, you mean Barbara Jean. We'll do a dog tour. We'll dog. do all the parents' houses. Dog swap. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll take over to, to our family friends. You can meet all the puppies. Yes, 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 yes. yes. But then it's four dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we have anything else that we'd like to say about Lilith? Man, this was complicated. Yeah, I hope this is an okay episode because I feel like it's kind of I think it was some good information and some 
I, I didn't know as much about the origins. I knew there was mm. a very complicated, murky thing going on. So yeah. I, I liked learning about that. And I think it's it's going to keep being complicated because we're going to keep doing these mythical and biblical figures. Yeah. So stay tuned for that, you guys. It's going to be a wild ride the next yeah. few episodes, I think. Um, I know on our list we have a few... I'm going to list out because I don't know for sure which ones we're doing. Yeah. So it's not going to be that much of a surprise ruiner. Yeah. But I know on our list we have, of course, Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. We have Judith. We have Ruth. Um, Esther is in there. Yeah. So we'll be tackling them. And, of course, later on I'll be going back to my Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. And Eve. And Eve said, yeah. and Pandora. Mm-hmm. So if you have any other favorite biblical ladies yeah. we should talk about. Yeah. Because I know some people are very attached to yeah. specific people in the Bible. So if you have any favorites, then definitely let us know. I liked Sarah and Rachel when I was a kid. Yeah. Those are my characters that I latched on to. But then I was probably about, uh, I mean, it was, it was before I moved here. So I was younger than 12. But then I really latched on to Mary Magdalene for some reason. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I like a good underdog. Yeah. And I will die on a hill for those people. You you take any situation and go, who's the punk rocker here? You. And that's yeah. who you pick. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. All right. I think that's all. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. Now go out and make waves, change history, and stay legendary. And kick some Yes. <laughs> Bye, folks. Bye. Bye.